Welcome into another edition of Jungle Juice Podcast. Sam Gormley and Mick Nelson with you on a Victory Wednesday. Mick, how you doing? Doing well. How about yourself? It's, I mean, heck, any time that the Bengals have a have a win, I, I mean, what, what, what do Monday. I have to say? Yeah, no, it's a great time. It's a great time. The offense looked great yesterday, or yesterday Sunday. Uh, got got a much needed win. Uh, if anybody notices, we have a change of scenery on my end. I uh, just wanted to give a shout-out to my grandparents, uh, Brenda and Charlie Harvey, for letting me use their house to film this today. And then uh, also it's wedding week for my sister, Sammy. So uh, happy wedding week. Happy wedding week to Sammy, her, Sammy and Chris. Many years of bliss. And I know you're you're having an anniversary coming up here real soon as well. Yep, a couple weeks on the 23rd. We're going to, I can't remember, what, Sam said we're going to Soto downtown I'm not, i don't know if you've heard of that no, it's a no i have not six downtown so looking forward to that so interesting so big things coming here over these next couple of weeks but we've got plenty to talk about on the show today we'll of course recap the cardinals game on sunday we have the good the bad and the ugly uh luckily today a lot more good than there is necessarily bad and ugly um we will have a we're going to revisit the panic button that we went over last week on last week's show and kind of ask the question of how much of this was the Cardinals and how much of this was actually some optimism here coming up for the Bengals moving forward. Mick, I have a trivia question for you that you don't know anything about that I, I'm excited to drop on you at some point. And then, of course, we'll preview the Seahawks game and have our uh, picks, your keys, and so on get you ready for this game. As always, we want to thank our good buddy Josh Isles over at WDN Today. Uh, make sure you follow him. Follow us as well. You can subscribe to us on our YouTube channel. Uh, follow us on Facebook. We have all of the different ways for you to join us and keep track. And if you're watching with us, drop us a comment with a with how you feel maybe about what we're talking about. Tell us we're wrong. Tell us we're right. Tell us what you love. Tell us what you hate. Whatever it might be. Uh, we can take it. We're big boys. Right, Nick? Yep. No, open to any and all types of criticisms. And then I'm open to proving you wrong as soon as you say I'm wrong. So, <laughs> And we're open <laughs> to uh, you praising us as well. We, we, do, we do appreciate that every once in a while when it comes to it. But I think to speaking of praising, that's probably where we need to start and go with a recap from the Bengals 34-20 to win against the Arizona Cardinals on Sunday. Uh, I know that I picked 24-10, so I got the spread right. I was a little disappointed because I put into my sports bet. I did the, you can put on there, the guess the exact score. So I guessed what I said last week of 24-10, and I didn't get anything back, obviously, since it was not exactly correct. I, I thought I, they might give me some money for having the spread right, at least, but it didn't matter. Oh, and I think as a whole, the spread, if that's the case. You yeah, but. The minus yeah, 13 and a half, that were the case. I would have had to have created my own, and I don't know that I was. I guess well, I made the pick that way, but I don't know that I was that confident. Yeah. So just to let you know, you, you can do alternative lines. Yes. I know they, yes. Kind of oh, yes. Sports betting. Uh, thing, yes. So. Yeah. I have learned that, and I, I don't yeah, know that I could have gotten bank it. Bank dwindled since. Uh, no, I I I've used Eagle a couple weeks ago. I have used my my grandma's rule that which she always said when it comes to sports gambling or gambling in general is is when she would go to the boat, she would take $20 in an envelope. And if that $20 lasted her the entire day, then she was thrilled. If it lasted her five minutes, then she was done for the day. So I put, when I had started, I put $20 in, and I'm, I'm positive right now. So that, that's, what, that's what matters the most in the long run. 
and See, I hopefully you, will not have to add more money. When you say you used your grandma's, I totally thought you were going to say, yeah, I used my grandma's um, retirement card information. account. Uh, yeah, I used my grandma's Vanguard account. And uh, thanks for thanks for all the funds, grandma. <laughs> Listen, it, it, whatever works sometimes. But as far as the Bengals-Seahawks game or the Bengals-Seahawks, Bengals-Cardinals game, as we always like to separate it into the good, the bad, and the ugly. And luckily today, when we talk about the good, we got quite a bit to talk about when it comes with the good from that game because, and I think you got to start with the obvious good, and that's the FedEx Air Player of the Week and the Offensive Player of the Week for Did the. He actually get it? I knew he was nominated. He, he had, he yeah, Joe Burrow was week. the FedEx Air Player of the Week, and then Jamar Chase was AFC Offensive Player of the Week. When no you combine way. both of that, and, and no way. No way. Unbelievable. That's oh, just a run of the performance from Jamar Chase. Oh, yeah. 200 yards. 15. 15. He was unbelievable. And so when you combine all of that, I think that that's where you got to start with a good. They were fantastic on Sunday. Yeah. Yeah. That's uh, the offense looked pretty good for the most part. Um, the run game, it looked like it took a while to get going, but that eventually started coming around towards the end. Uh, Joe looked good. Jamar looked fantastic. He, uh, you know, he had that presser at the end of the Titans game and he did nothing but, uh, but prove any doubters wrong on Sunday. I don't think there were any doubters. I mean, but just put everything to bed real quick. 7-Eleven, he's always open. I love that he he dropped that line afterwards, obviously. I think it probably was an homage to Tad Johnson, who kind of was the first one oh, to yeah. really bring that up. And, I mean, it was just one of those things that it didn't even look like the Cardinals were trying to stop him, which was wild. Yeah. Because... <laughs> and, and even if the and I think part of that goes to is that just how good Jamar Chase was on Sunday because he made it look like no matter what they did because there were moments where I know that they were you know pulled it out to the L twenty two and you know Mark Sanchez is like oh look there's one two three on him he's being triple teamed and he's still catching it yeah so um, Sam Monson from PFF kind of said this best is like you can game plan for Jamar Chase as much as you want to going in, but you really don't know what's in store for you until you actually play play against him and and just see what he does on the field in terms of his speed and his route running. So, you know, you have a bunch of inexperienced secondary players for the Cardinals who are going up against Jamar Chase for the first time. Of course, Jamar Chase should be able to feast on that, and he did just that. So, um yeah, great game for Jamar. Joe looked uh, more like himself than obviously we've seen all year. Uh, we saw a little bit of escapability in the pocket from Joe. We saw him scramble off, uh, I think, at least a couple of times. I know I do. I, there was one really good scrambler, one vintage Joe Burrow scan, er, scramble that. Uh, oh, Sammy, Sammy's already here. <laughs> <laughs> Sammy loves her some Joe Burrow. Uh, also, happy wedding week, Sammy. I don't know if she if she caught that, but that's my sister, everybody. Anyways, uh, Joe looked more like himself. Uh, you know, PDJ kind of said it best. You know, Joe Burrow has that magic factor to him, and you kind of saw that a little bit on Sunday. We saw our first deep pass, our first successful deep pass play of the year to Jamar Chase. That was uh, kind of an, a moment of exaltation for me when I saw that. I don't know about you, but that was that was one hundred percent. It was it turned out to be the longest air pass, like through the air, the longest pass that Joe Burrow has had in his career, which just really? adds to it. Yes, it was the longest, like not 
yardage-wise, obviously, but in the air, like they can now track that through the analytics and such, and it was the longest one through there. Longest air pass? Has he been been lying to us the whole time? (laughs) Well, I know that he. they asked him today during his press conference and pretty much said, like, is... Did you like when you threw it? Did you know it? And he he pretty much said that it felt really good when it came out. Like it just it was one because you can tell when you throw that you know one comes out and it just feels right. That's exactly what he said. Is it just felt right on that pass? But I think if we're talking offense as well, we can't go without mentioning Trenton Irwin. You know, no T Higgins on Sunday, and Trenton Irwin was was great filling that T T Higgins role. Yeah, no, he was he was definitely good in that wide receiver two role or or that outside wide receiver role that T Higgins uh, usually occupies, and uh, you know the stat line's not gonna not gonna wow you by any means, but he he looks like a good competent wide receiver out there, and uh, you know it looked like the offense wasn't missing a beat without without T this week. And I know last week I mentioned in you know we did the good the bad and the ugly, and in the ugly I meant, mentioned Trenton Irwin, and of his game specifically, it was the punt return where he was not good. You know, he had one one attempt and he muffed it. This time, though, he had the punt return and it was multiple good ones. Like, yeah. he, he ran the ball really great. well. And you didn't really see much of a of a difference from him and Charlie Jones, from what Charlie Jones was doing earlier in the season. Yeah, I know. I think we should just, like, cut Charlie Jones right away now. What, what do we even need Charlie Jones for? <laughs> we, have, we have Trent Irwin. Your sarcasm factor is on a on a new level here today. On a whole different, I've been with my family all week. Like, I was gonna uh, say, I was gonna <laughs> ask, is this the is this the Nelson family coming out in you that you've got yeah. all yeah, the no. sarcasm is coming up to a new level? Oh yeah, that's that's hundred percent the case. I've been uh, with with the mom the past since since what Sunday. So four days with my mom, four days with my sister. Chris isn't very sarcastic, so like. He, he didn't really contribute to the to the sarcasm today, but uh, Mom and Sammy definitely, uh, you know, did their job in that department there. So uh, I think, yeah, that was. I think another one of the goods, and I think it's one that 100% needs to be mentioned because I think the guy gets a lot of hate. And listen, I and I know I'm 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 on the the fence, always usually going for him. Is I think Zach Taylor called a really good game on Sunday. He did. Uh, they took advantage of a lot of soft zone, at least in the first half that I noticed. I didn't really watch the second half all twenty-two, but got to the first half. They took a lot of uh, they, they took they took advantage of soft zone coverage. Looked like a lot of short passing plays to Jamar, uh, a lot of just slant routes that you know you were able to get off, rattle off for 10, 15 yards every play. They were marching down the field in that first quarter. Uh, you know, Arizona kind of. Uh, counteracted that in the second quarter. They didn't really move the ball very well uh, until that one drive. They got stuffed at the goal line. And then they started to open stuff up a little bit later in the game. Uh, obviously, the deep pass to, to Jamar is, a, is kind of the highlight of that. Yeah, and I think Zach called a great game, and I know that there were some people criticizing you know, the, the decision to go for it on goal at the one. I I think in that scenario, I, I'd have gone for it as well. Now, so what was the score? It was 14-10 with that happened. 14-10 Arizona, correct. Yeah, go for it. Go for it. And it was if it wasn't under two minutes, it was it was right around the two-minute warning there. I don't remember the exact timing, but I think that also is you're because you're pretty much saying is okay, you've got a couple of folds with this. First off, it's two minutes, give or take. I don't think Arizona had any timeouts at that point. You're pretty much saying, okay, Josh Jobs, if you can drive down 99 yards 
and under two minutes with no timeouts, then okay, you deserve your points. I think Zach Taylor I, knew that CTB was about to rip off uh, an interception. And that's and that's kind of and that's kind of the other point is is that when you have players backed up, turnovers go up. Like the, yeah. the chances of turnovers because you're trying to not get sacked in the end zone, and because of that he fed Cam Taylor Britt, which could probably be as far as play wise, Cam Taylor Britt his first career interception as far as. And again, when this goes in the stats, it's his first career interception. Yes, he had one in the playoffs, but if you ask the NFL, this was his first career. I think he was the first Bengal to ever have his first career interception be a pick six. Yep. Uh, that's, that's, I did not know that. Uh, I mean, first, first statistical interception is second uh, meaningful interception, I guess. Uh, he had that pick against Buffalo in the, uh, in the playoff game last year, but Pratt called the pick again, Riley says. What, what, is he talking about his Pratt's pick, or is he talking about Jermaine, CTB's pick? Jermaine Pratt, I think, before the game, kind of said the whole thing, like, you're going to get yours today, or some, something along the lines of that. Well, uh, I think in, in his in his mic'd up, he had said something like that. He was taking some of the credit. Well, uh, give credit where credit's due. Jermaine Pratt also had a really good game yesterday. And, uh, uh, you know, you saw him making crucial tackles. Uh, he obviously had that fourth down uh, stop in the backfield, uh, I believe in the third quarter, and then obviously the pick towards the end of the game. So uh, great game by Jermaine Pratt. Sam Hubbard looked pretty good, uh, had a real, couple of really nice run stops in that first half that I noticed. Um, so, yeah, overall, good performance by the team, uh, a much-needed good performance I, by the team, and they're back in back in the race. I think an, out. another good that you got to mention is Trey Hendrickson, two-and-a-half sacks and a near yeah. pick six. And he dropped yep. a pick that probably would have turned into six points himself. I mean, anytime you get two and a half sacks, and I think he's up to six right now on the season. I know I asked you before the year of over under, I think I, I said it early at like 15 and you made me all, I think off air, lower it to like 12, 12 and a half. And I mean, he's, he's on pace to shatter that right now. He's having an unbelievable season and an under the radar season. No, yeah, I think it's under the radar for sure. I don't think it's under the radar in terms of it being noticed by uh, the boys over at PFF. He is rated as a top 10 edge rusher this year. I want to see who's above him right now just to see if there's any notable names. Andrew Van Giegel from the Dolphins, uh, Micah Parsons and Demarcus Lawrence for the Cowboys, who they've gone up against easy opponents all year other than that Niners game. Max Crosby, no surprise. Aiden Hutchinson. T.J. Watt, Miles Garrett, Nick Boza, so he's he's in he's in good company there, uh, and he's ranked at number nine right now with a ninety-one point three pass rush grade. I think the run defense grade is what kind, what's kind of dragging him down. Trey Hendrickson has the third highest pass rush grade. Yeah, he's all, he's, he's been great in, in uh, rushing the passer, and he's had a lot more hits too as well, or even pressures that you know don't go down as yeah. sacks, but they they're still just as important because it causes misthrows it you know it it or, or somebody else comes in and cleans up the sack for him because that's yep. been one of the things that has really stood out for me is that really other than the Ravens game the pass rush has been something that that Lou Anarumo this year has seen more of as his yep. I mean he's called more of it as well which has been different and I know he said today that I think he said something along the lines of that it's not necessarily planned. Sometimes that's just how the game works this year. Well, it, it, you kind of do uh, kind of should think that way, the, the way that Lou's thinking with that, because 
and, and at least with these first few games, the, the pass rush should be feasting a little bit, especially the last three matchups they've had. I can't tell you how many times past three ga- three weeks I've said, key to, key to winning the game on the defensive end is a pass rush because they've gone up against very uh, lackluster or you know bottom 10, bottom five offensive lines with the Rams, the Titans, and the Cardinals in back-to-back-to-back weeks. And luckily, it's not like they're going up against, you know, the Eagles offensive line this week or, you know, something in an elite offensive line. They're going up against an offensive line that they can maybe do some stuff again this week. Be something we'll talk about here. I like going up against any world beaters in Seattle. I agree. with. Correct. We'll uh, talk about that a little bit later on. To me, though, Mick, we usually separate the bad and the ugly. And I think it's almost like and, and you might have some separation. But to me, I almost just like combine both of them in there today i I guess we could say that the defense as a whole was bad because there was some good that brings them up to the good and doesn't necessarily make them ugly but then there was some major ugly yeah yeah tackling has been an issue again it's it's uh, for a second week in a row it's not really the mo of lou anarumo or any of his defenses unless if you want to throw uh 2019 and 2020 in there but uh Tackling was bad. You can tell they're missing the safety duo, I think, right now. Uh, Nick Scott is probably playing for his job right now, and he's not doing a very good job of that. Jordan Battle came in and looked a lot better. Uh, it looks like that they're kind of platooning that role right now. Uh, they are. Lou Anarumo said that today, that, that that is a platoon pretty much competition right now, is that they really be. liked what they've seen from Jordan Battle all year. Uh, especially, I mean, really, Jordan Battle has made, I think, to them pretty much one mistake. Yeah, and that was taunting, yeah. taunting yeah. in the in a preseason game. I think it was the Packers game that he had the taunting penalty. And if that's your one mistake as a rookie in a preseason game, you're feeling pretty decent. Yeah. Oh, Jordan Battle's looked really good, especially in coverage, which is where Nick Scott is uh, particularly lacking in. Uh, so, uh, Battle's going to be great. Good goat, a goat. I don't know if he's going to be a goat, but he's good. I think he's going to be a pretty. I think he's going to contribute as a starter for sure. He could be Von Bell, like as he far could, as I a fill that Von Bell role for sure. Yeah, because I think Von Bell is is your mid, maybe upper mid. Uh, is he upper mid tier safety? He he is a solid safety. You know, I I think that I think that's Jordan Battle. Jordan Battle is not going to be you know your uh, your elite. Safety. Now he could be, but I think he could be a guy that is just you. You he's back there, and you don't think about him, which is the best thing that you can do with with a, with a cornerback. Is you, when you don't call his name, it usually means something good is happening. Yeah, no, I 100% agree with that. Uh, so tackling was an issue. That was probably the biggest issue in the game. Um, how did Brad do? I didn't really look at any of the punts. Yeah, Brad he had a couple of good punts. Uh, had one of 59 yards that ended up, his net ended up getting hurt because one of my uglies goes to Devin Harper, had just a bonehead penalty uh, on a punt return that, you know, uh, Brad Robbins lets one go for 59 yards. And it was about a 19-yard return, which is not great. And then you took on another 15 that ended up giving the Cardinals the ball in positive territory at the 49 of their own. And six plays later, they score a touchdown. But for a guy that was on waivers two weeks ago and is joining a team, I can't imagine that that probably set too well in, in Darren luck. Simmons' pockets and Zach Taylor's feeling and, and Lou Anarumo. You know, you ever know when you could throw another linebacker out there in coverage, especially for a guy that when he came over from the Cowboys a couple of weeks ago, that they thought, 
he is going to be a special teams guy. That's his background. That's his thing. But good special teams player don't make boneheaded plays out of bounds like that. What's this guy's name? Darren Harper? Uh, Devin Harper. Devin. I was looking up Darren Harper and I didn't have Probably why you couldn't find him. Devin Harper, Wikipedia. Because uh, he he's came from the Cowboys. He was uh, put on waivers by them. Hmm. Well, uh, not a good first impression, uh, Devin Harper. Uh, yes, because he was inactive in the game against the Titans. This was the first game that he was active. And then, uh, you know, one of his first moments as a Cincinnati Bengal is his name gets called is because he has a tackle out of bounds. That's not even a tackle. He's like shoving somebody. Yeah. I don't even know if he was shoving like a guy that was even yeah. playing. Yeah, it was unnecessary roughness. It it's just it's things that if we're being honest, Zach Taylor teams don't do. No, no. That's what Mike McCarthy teams do. <laughs> that makes a lot of sense. Came from Dallas. <laughs> you're, you're not wrong about that. Another one of the uglies, and it might have been just necessarily one play, but it stands out. Jalen Davis got toasted. Oh, oh yeah. I was, was it I, it, I made a point. Why I was like, why is why is Jalen Davis even in right now? Like, because they had to play five corners because Cheeto was out. And it probably was to the point, I think that Cheeto injury might have happened too late to where they couldn't call up an Allen George or a, uh, I'm trying to think of one of the other corners they have, or Sidney Jones from the practice mm-hmm. squad. But I, I Jalen Davis, is he's never really done anything that has made me confident in him. Then again, he's he, a special teamer. Uh, he's a yeah, good, he's, I think that's why he's... You know, on the team still, I think he's good in that phase of the game. And he just did didn't have it on on that at all. Uh, no. And listen, bad bad plays happen; it's inevitable. But uh, that was one that that really stood out to me. And then I put on here just as a whole, and it kind of ties into your tackling point: the run defense, not yeah. great. Now, okay a couple early. big a couple big plays does inflate some of those totals. I mean, mm-hmm. they had the one. Uh, not Ron, uh, yeah, Moore, uh, Rondale Moore had the, the run around the far side on the kind of tr- fake trick play was pretty much, I think is probably the way to describe it where he kind of curled around the edge that inflates it. And then James Conner had a 35 yard run. So on two plays, you had 76 yards. Yeah. The, the James Conner run was particularly frustrating for me because there was like, I think I counted four missed tackles on one play. So I, I think, uh, I think Mike had a missed tackle. I think uh, Trey had one in the backfield. And then Nick Scott did what Nick Scott does. And uh, I think DJ might have had a missed tackle. And I can't remember. Maybe it was CTB. But, yeah, that play was very frustrating. That was a 35-yard play that, uh, you know, turned into a touchdown drive. So tackling's got to get better. And, and like I said, I wonder if they're missing the safety duo. Obviously, Jesse and Vaughn were – uh, their strengths, their strengths were in the run game, um, whereas you're—I don't know if you're really seeing that in Dax Hill, and you're definitely not seeing that in Nick Scott. Um, so I wonder if they're missing the safety duo a little bit. And then Logan Wilson's been kind of disappointing as a whole uh, in terms of his tackling and run defense as well. Just he's been kind of Jekyll and Hyde this year, where he's had some really good moments. You know, he's had a couple of picks. Well, all of his good moments are in coverage, though, not not against yeah. the line. Yeah, and and that's got to get better because, I mean, you're going up against a team like this week who can run the ball pretty well uh, yeah. with a couple of really good running backs. And then, oh, wait, after the bye, uh, San Francisco, uh, maybe the best running back in the NFL, 
You know, and I know that Christian McCaffrey is not is almost a I don't even I feel like he's not even technically a running back. Like I know he is, but I feel like he he just he deserves to be in a position all of his own because he's so army is like the Taysom Hill without all of the debauchery of Taysom Hill. It's uh he's an athlete, I think is yeah. is like the best way where they he's will the all purpose player. Correct. It's probably a great way to describe it. And then you don't really have that with the Bills. You know, the Bills running game is their big weakness. But then you're going to jump back into these AFC North teams that, you know, uh, Baltimore, you got to play them again. You got to play the Browns again. You got to play the Steelers twice. You know, at some point, they're going to probably have to start relying on their run more. You're going to have to make sure that that run defense gets better. But I think to wrap up this segment, I think it, we can kind of revisit one of the big topics that we talked about last week was was on the panic button. And we talked about whether we were pushing it or not. And I think that the question I have for you, Mick, is how much of this, if we are being 100% honest with ourselves, which is what we're doing on this podcast, how much of the feeling that we should have right now should be, okay, it was just the Cardinals, or how much of it should be, yes, they've finally broken out of this slump and we're going to start rolling again because Burrow looked himself. Yes. Thanks. Good so, job. <laughs> on one hand, you can say it's just the Cardinals who uh, have probably the worst overall roster in the league, and the Bengals should have taken advantage of that. Uh, and they did. They took advantage of it. Um, and that's what good teams do to bad teams. And if we're being honest, most teams haven't done that to the Cardinals this year. No, they haven't. I mean, I guess San Fran did do that last week. They uh, obviously won by two scores. Uh, you know, the Cowboys had a uh, had a straight up stinker against the Cardinals in Week Three. Um, yeah, the Cardinals have looked like a team that's that's you know they they look like a feisty team so far this year. But and, and yeah, they looked like a, a good team beating up on a bad team on on uh, on Sunday. But I don't. I don't know. The, the rest of the uh, the rest of the schedule still looks tough. But I am but I think about your word choice was interesting there, though, because you said it looked like a good team beating up on a bad team. Yeah, yeah. How no, much they're... of that, like, because the Bengals had not been a good team for the first four weeks, is good. Yeah, just no, what, you... I guess my question is: is what happens when they start playing the good teams again? Because you're going to face better pass rushes than what the Cardinals had to offer on Sunday. Uh, Seattle, um, although they don't have the best pass rush, they did just sack Daniel Jones like 10 times in a game. So now, then I think me me and you and, and Riley watching with us could probably get a sack against the Giants offensive line. But they, could, they very well could have. We, we very well could. But uh, yeah, so you, you've got to put that into, you got to factor that into play. You've got to factor that they're playing the Niners in three weeks or whatever. And that's going to be, uh, that's going to be a, a, an interesting matchup to see. Uh, and I don't, I don't know if it's going to be a particularly good one for the Bengals. Uh, and then you've got the bills, you've got Steelers, you've got, you've got a lot better. Texans, Texans. playing better too. Yeah. Uh, uh, but I, I think to, that. <laughs> to go to this question though, I think, you know, how much of this was the Cardinals and how much of this was breaking out of the slump? And I think it probably was a mixture between both of them. Hence the answer, yes. Yes, and, and I, I think that, you know, you saw, because like you said, they looked like a good team beating up on a bad team. 
And that's what good teams do. And, and was there some things, obviously, that we just talked about that makes us go, yes, yes. But then again, if we're being honest, there are very few games that we're thinking, yes, like that was perfect, great, awesome, running away, we feel great. But I think the biggest thing is that the offense looked good. Yeah. And, and to me, my biggest takeaway, and we touched on this a little earlier, as to why I think it's more of the latter and breaking out of the slump is that Joe Burrow's mobility was back. Yes. And, and that is why I'm thinking it's more towards the latter point and not more towards the Cardinals point. Yeah, oh, I could agree with that statement. Uh, I guess we'll kind of see what, you know, if he's dealing with more pass rush in later weeks, uh, how he's able to really, uh, you know, overcome that. I, I But yeah, I, I came away from the Cardinals game encouraged that they could get this thing turned around for sure. Are you ready for your trivia question? Yeah. You uh, you don't know that this is happening, but uh, it's a good one, and I hope you haven't seen this float around because that'll take away a lot of the fun of this trivia question. But are you ready? Yeah. Joe Burrow has played all but three teams in his NFL career. Name them. Joe Burrow has played all but three teams in his NFL career. Can you name them? Giants. There's one. Pretty good question, isn't it? Yeah. Making you think. Texans. There's two. You got this one. Seahawks. Yeah. Is that is that the Seahawks? Yeah. It is there the Seahawks. Go. Good job. You get went three for three on that. Texans, Giants, and Seahawks are the three teams that Joe Burrow has never played. So two of them he'll get to wipe off the year. And maybe he'll play the Giants in the Super Bowl this year. <laughs> <laughs> yep. I'd like I've to know what that in right now. We're, we're what what odds yeah. can I get on DraftKings for that? A Bengals Giants Super Bowl. I think you can definitely parlay that. I don't know what. I, I, I might have to look. Tommy's got the faith in you, in you, Mick. Uh, I, I'm curious to see. You know, I thought that was a good question, uh, and I was trying to sit there and think. And I accidentally read the answer before I saw it, and I was like, "Would I have gotten that?" So I was like, like I, I, I was immediately thinking of teams like after the ACL tear, like which interconference matchups uh, happened after. <laughs> and see, the Texans, I think, would have been the one I would have forgotten. Yeah, um, no, we haven't played the Texans in a while. Yeah, they haven't I, since 2020 when they oh, beat Deshaun Watson. Yep. 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 Uh, but I think this perfectly leads right into our next point of the Seahawks preview. As Seahawks come to Paycor Stadium on Sunday at 1 o'clock as uh, Ian Eagle and Charles Davis have the call there on CBS. We go back to CBS, which makes me happy. Uh, even though I won't be watching the game on TV, it's still like... I. I Something about Fox. I don't know. It's just not I like Fox. I, I actually prefer Fox over CBS. Oh, you're crazy. Yeah, no, I, I could not disagree more. I think it's the graphic. Like, I hate CBS's graphic. It's like way too long. I like that the I like the whole minimalist function that, that Fox and NBC have with uh and Amazon. They just have the little graphic center of the screen, have both logos, points. So you're just really you're yeah, see, for me, the talent on, on CBS is much better. So that's why I'm, I'm more towards CBS. 
and and that's also me coming as a broadcaster. I I recognize things like that of doing it. Is I just think as a the whole, fact that Tony Romo is is the highest paid color commentary guy for for CBS. I like Charles Davis though. Charles Davis does a good job for them. I like Charles. And, there's a reason they put him on Madden every year. Yeah, because he's because <laughs> he's really good. But regardless, we're we're, t- we're t- talking about things that are unrelated to the Bengals against the Seahawks on Sunday. I'll find it interesting too is how much of a factor is, and I meant to go back and look this up to see if there were any like true stats based on it, but you have a West Coast team coming and playing at one o'clock. You know, d- does that mean anything or are we reading too much into it? You know, because that's 10 a.m. technically for them. Like, does that mean anything or since they're professionals, it really doesn't? Um, yes, again, I don't know. I feel like I've seen some games where, like, obviously West Coast teams going to East Coast are kind of lagging. I-, I thought I saw a lot more. I haven't really seen many this year. But like okay. the one, the one game I'm thinking of is like 2015 Chargers coming to play the Bengals in Week Two, and the Chargers right. look like they just woke up. And... Well, and then you can think of the opposite. Now this is a little bit misleading based on you know talent wise, but 2019 Week Two, 49ers at Bengals, and they just <laughs> blow the blow the doors off. Of now them. So uh... that was not a good Bengals team. But no. uh, shout out, John Ross had a touchdown in that game. That was when we thought John Ross had actually figured it out under Zach Taylor. Mm-hmm. You remember? Like, we thought, oh, maybe John Ross actually doesn't suck. And then we soon learned, no, no, he's, he's actually pretty terrible. Uh, yeah. But Bengals offense against the Seahawks defense, I think, is, is the best way to start. Because the Seahawks defense is, it's a very interesting defense. For one, and you touched on this a couple of times, Mick, is the pass rush. They've had 16 sacks this year interesting aspect of their 16 sacks by 10 different players so it's not like they have you know your your tj watt your you know that's going to have six seven eight of those sacks they can really spread it out but the guy on that defense on that pass rush that's probably the most dangerous and the most notable it's bobby wagner um yeah i i don't i didn't really note bobby wagner i was going to go with boy mafe who who had a a few more than a few in that uh in that Giants game. But yeah, Bobby Wagner being back with the Seahawks is huge. And I think really Bobby Wagner provides the most value in the run game. I it, it, he's uh he's probably first ballot Hall of Famer, right? Would you say so? Maybe not first ballot, but I think he I think he'll be a Hall of Famer without question. Oh I think he's a no doubt Hall of Famer. I would be surprised if he's not first ballot. But him coming back to Seattle, he's been huge for that defense and, and providing leadership uh, in that linebacker position. Um, other than that, though, I mean, that's the uh, it, sorry, it's I was going to say it's not a terrifying pass rush. There's no question about that. Uh, and I think, like we said, that 16 sack number is you kind of have to look at that through through a different colored glasses because. Yeah. You know, 10 or 11 of those came against the Giants a couple of weeks ago. So you're, then you're thinking it was five through the first three games of the season because the Seahawks didn't play last week. So, I mean, yeah. read into that how you want. And five through three or six through three, that's a little bit more average. I think this is going to be a, probably the best litmus test you're going to get of this Bengals offensive line this year. You're not going up against a lackluster offensive line like you had the past three games, but you're also not going up against Miles Garrett 
uh, you know, when they went up against him in week one, you're going up against probably a pretty middle of the road pass rush. Um, and I kind of want to see, it's going to be interesting to see how the offensive line can hold up against that. You know, is this, is this offensive line as good as advertised? And because I think, we thought there going to be a good offensive line going in. And I think with that too, is it kind of ties into the next point is if your offensive line's struggling, you're going to want to get the ball out quick and going up against a, they're not the Legion of Boom, but it's, it's honestly, it's a young and it's a solid secondary. You know, you got Reek Woolen, who's, was like a fifth round pick and and played like an all pro pretty much. Uh, Devin Weatherspoon, uh, you've got uh, Jamal Adams is back. In fact, that leads me probably this would be a good time to talk about the injury report, especially when we talk about Jamal Adams. He cleared concussion protocol and practice for the first time today as he came back from his injury against the Giants and had the injury it, concussion in the first quarter of that game. So he's finally going to come back potentially play his first full game on Sunday against the Bengals. And when you add him an extremely versatile and talented safety into the back. It'll be interesting to see how the Bengals game plan around him potentially. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. It's a, it's a good secondary unit. Yeah. You rattled off Rick Woolen and uh, Devin Witherspoon. Witherspoon. That could be, you know, a couple of years down the road, that could be one of the best cornerback tandems in the league. Um, you know, they could be looking like that towards the end of this season. I think that's how good they, those two guys could be. Uh, another name that we haven't mentioned, he hasn't been playing this very well this year, but Quandre Diggs uh, in at the safety position or maybe he's a nickelback position. Um, he's been on the defense for a while and has usually put up some pretty solid uh, years. And then Julian Love coming over from the New York Giants. He, uh, again, another good depth piece in that, in that defensive backfield. So I think it's going to be pretty interesting to see, like, how are these wide receivers down T Higgins potentially? No, I know you did note that he was limited in practice on Wednesday or today. Uh, but you know, how are these wide receivers going to match up against their secondary? I think that's a, that's going to be a really uh, interesting matchup to see. Because as Tommy brings up the point here, writing in on Facebook, he's you know the Seahawks secondary can make plays, but also give up a lot of completions in yards. Ranked near the bottom of any, you know, the several pass defense categories. Now, that can be a tiny bit misleading because they have dealt with so many injuries. So, mm-hmm. this will be one of the first times that they've fully been all the way together. And that's kind of the question of is it's probably another one of our yes as to how much, like, how much of that was they've been beat up and how much of that is, is that that's kind of their style of, of defense where they're going to give up a lot of yards and so on. Because where they're solid at is stopping the run. Yes. Yeah, you got a good, you got one of the best linebackers in the league, and in Bobby Wagner, and then Jordan Brooks, first rounder from Texas Tech, I believe, a couple of years Correct. ago, uh, who's who's graded pretty well against the run, and and not too bad in in the coverage department either. So, you know, if you're looking for short yardage passing plays, which the Bengals were hitting on all c- cylinders against the Cardinals, that's going to be a lot more difficult to do against that linebacker duo. If we switch gears and talk about the Seahawks' offense against the Bengals' defense, it's their offense is interesting because then I think it kind of starts at the quarterback position with Geno Smith. For one, I and I know Tommy, you know, he's the West Virginia guy watching yeah, with us, and I think it's a thing on Geno here because I think if I would have asked Tommy, you know, ten years ago, because you know Geno Smith has been in the year in the league about ten years, if not even a little bit longer than that. 
if he thought he would still be a starting quarterback in 2023, I'm sure even his most Homer sensation of being a West Virginia fan would have said absolutely not. If you would have asked me three years ago, if Geno Smith was going to be a starting quarterback in the league. Yeah. I mean, he writes in and says, hell no. You asked me in preseason of 2022, if Geno Smith was still going to be a starting quarterback in the league, I probably would say. Because everyone thought that I think that he was going to be the filler and that they were going to draft a quarterback next year that would be the future. You know, whether it was your Anthony Richardson or your Will Levis or or, or so on as to, as to who it was going to be. And they didn't. And I think, you know, they've got Drew Locke as their backup. And I think they're just kind of rolling with Geno. But then again, I mean, Geno, Geno's been solid. Yeah, he's looked pretty good the past couple seasons. And uh, he's really transformed as a leader. I feel like I've seen some mic'd up moments from him where it just seems like he's got um, – really good command of the offense of the team in general. Uh, it's good seeing him turn his kind of, kind of turn his career around. Uh, I know I like to be a West Virginia hater sometimes, but uh, I mean, I saw Geno Smith play in college uh, and I, I thought the world of him in terms of, I thought he could be a really good quarterback in the NFL and it's took a while for him to figure out. And he's not a world beater by any means right now, but he is a solid NFL starting quarterback, I, definitely top half of the league, I would say. So, I don't know that they put him in the top half, but he, he's he, I'd say top fifteen. Yeah, you know, he was definitely top fifteen last year. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. We we that be a good discussion. Maybe maybe in the off season we'll rank our top our our NFL starting quarterbacks for each of us and figure out to tick because Mick has his list too coming up in the off season of his top fifty Bengals of all time, which obviously no one's gonna have an cool. issue with. Uh, no, no, These guys are all going to agree with that. Yes, they're going to agree. That's not going to make anybody mad because uh, number one is Corey Dillon, and uh, number two is Drew Sample, and three is Thad Moss. There's your, uh, there's your uh, spoiler alerts of what's to come on that. But I think when you're talking about the Seahawks offense, we can talk about Geno Smith, but we have to talk about Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf, who are, I would say, quietly one of the better wide receiver duos in the league. Like they don't. I know that they don't not or they don't not get talked about at that top level, but they deserve to be. I think even more because they're a really solid duo. Yeah, no. If I if I did pick um, an underrated wide receiver duo, I think the the first the first duo I think about is is DK and Tyler Lockett. Um, and that that's kind of another another point I wanted to bring up here is a. Uh, you know, we saw a lot of tackling issues against the Cardinals, who don't have the most robust uh, skill player uh, roster. You know, they they don't have a lot of good skill players on the team, and we're going up against um, you know DK DK Metcalf, who's an absolute tank on the outside, and Tyler Lockett. Not to mention, you're also you, they've also got a, a pretty good running back duo in Kenneth Walker and Zach Charbonnet. Um, defense is going to have to shore up the tackling. They should be doing that regardless. But given the given the offensive uh, skill players Seahawks have, they really got to start getting it together. We haven't even talked about Jackson, Jackson Smith and Ajinkba, but who hasn't really done anything yet. But no, no, he hasn't. That, yeah, and you never know if or, you yeah. never know if him coming back to Ohio could be his moment to to shine and break out and have a breakout game against against the Bengals, because I think Kenneth Walker, the second is, or the third rather, is 
he was kind of your under the radar, one of those, you know, mid round running back picks that hit yeah. for, for the, uh, for the Seahawks. Cause he was phenomenal at Michigan state. I mean, he, he got some Heisman conversation. He was so good. His senior season at, at Michigan state. And he's pretty much just picked up where he left off there in the NFL. He's been really good. And Charbonnet really isn't done a lot. But when you have a great guy like Kenneth Walker, he's just a complimentary piece right now. Yeah, no, they've got a really good like yin and yang kind of thing going on over there because Kenneth Walker is kind of that short, kind of shifty, uh, small running back that just makes people miss. And then you've got you've got the thunder in, in, in Zach in Zach Charbonnet, who's got like a six one, two hundred and thirty pound build. He's, he pretty much has the same build as Joe Mixon does, and. Uh, yeah, I think that's been a pretty good running back duo. I think that I think Seattle's offense first four weeks of the year has looked has looked pretty good, very good actually. Their offensive line is been beat up. Charles yeah. Cross, starting tackle, missed the last three games with the turf toe. Did return to practice today. Phil Haynes, one of their guards, left with a calf injury against the Giants. He practiced today as well. So you would assume that if they're practicing on Wednesday, I don't know. When I when we started the podcast, it hadn't been released as to whether they were limited or full practice. But you would assume if they're practicing on Wednesday that they probably will be good to play on Sunday. So that'll be two starters back on the offensive line for the Seahawks, which will be big because their their offensive line, like we talked talked about, is probably your your mid to low tier offensive yes. line in in the in the NFL. They're not as bad as what they've seen the past couple of weeks, but they're not, you know. You're not going up against Trent Williams. No. As you will be here in a couple of weeks. Yeah. No, the uh offensive line does leave a little bit to do to be desired on the Seattle's front. But uh and that's another key to, to key to vic key to victory for, for the Bengals uh, on Sunday is pass rush has to be there again. I don't I don't see a reason for them not to be. And uh you know, that's that's Definitely going to have to be. Uh, they're definitely going to have to bring it on Sunday in terms of the pass rush. Uh, I'm interested to see what the uh, what the Trey Hendrickson versus uh, Charles Cross matchup is going to be like. I think Trey's probably going to have another really good game. Um, and then, honestly, on the interior, I think is where a lot of the problems for the Seahawks lie. Uh, Abraham Lucas, I think, is out for a while or he might be out for the rest of the year on the right tackle position. So, um, you know, Sam could have a big day against uh, Jake Kerhan. Is that how you pronounce it? Uh, and then, yeah, they Jake don't have Kerhan could walk into this podcast and smack us both across the face. And I wouldn't have any idea who he was. I, yeah. Uh, same here. And then, yeah, on the interior, you got Evan Brown, Olu, Olu Watimi, And then, uh, and then Phil Haynes is coming back and, I know that the Seahawks had a bye week last week, but you know we don't know when these guys came back or you know how rusty those guys could be. So, and I think bye weeks are always really interesting too, because you know Seahawks were three and one going into the bye week. They had the big win against the Giants coming in. I know the Giants aren't necessarily world beaters, but they you know that was a prime time that was prime time win, was it not? Monday night football win. Yeah. So you that you know you're you're riding high after that, and then you're kind of sick. You don't necessarily get to ride that wave of momentum. Now the Bengals didn't do that when they had a big win on Monday Night Football. They obviously crapped the bed in their next game, 
against the Titans. But I still think that the bye weeks are really interesting because you will see sometimes that teams come out flat, especially because it's bye week traveling three hours in, you know, three hours ahead. Uh, you're playing at technically 10 a.m. to what your body says is is that will be interesting to see if the Seahawks come out flat. But to me, that's why I think this offense for the Bengals has got to jump out early. Yeah. No, they've got to they've got to fire out the cannons there. And uh they're gonna to have to try to do it in a different way than than what they did against the Cardinals. Uh you know, I don't I don't think the short passing game is gonna work against this linebacking duo. I think that you're gonna to have to come up with more creative ways to get the ball down the field. Obviously, Joe looked more like himself on Sunday, so maybe uh, we start seeing Joe uh, push the ball a little bit more uh, against the Seahawks on Sunday. But yeah, that's that's definitely uh, what's needed uh, in terms of getting off to a fast start. Other injury notes that we want to mention for the Seahawks, we touched on Jamal Adams, Charles Cross, and Phil Haynes. We touched on them. Artie Burns and Kobe Bryant, you know, two of their backup cornerbacks. I just always, when I hear Artie Burns, I have to chuckle. Anytime because, I hear his name in a game, I'm just like, I, I'm like, is he really still in the league? Yes. Like, <laughs> that's what, that's why I think about William Jackson now at this point. Yes. Too. And those two will be t- forever tied in my mind of the Bengals taking William Jackson. But regardless, um, and then Kobe Bryant obviously has a Cincinnati connection as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's Kobe with a C, uh, not, yep. not the other Kobe. Uh, but Pete Carroll in his press conference today, his direct quote about them was they were trying to get back so that to me says they're not playing on sunday now i don't know how much your backup corners has as a factor but with the Bengals, with how much that they'd like to spread it out wide with wide receivers it could be you could see a guy like tyler boyd or you know a trenton Irwin if t higgins plays have a big game if they go out and go four wide receiver sets yeah yeah for sure uh for the Bengals, injury wise uh ADG, again, did not practice. Uh, Cheeto did not practice again today. We're dealing with that back injury that he injured last Thursday in practice. Devin Harper did not practice today, as we talked about. Not a big loss there. Uh, T. Higgins was limited. That, to me, says... Now, he was limited, I believe, one day last week, so don't read too much into it, but I think it'll be one of those things that it, it might literally be a true game-time decision, that that mm-hmm. morning they'll see how he feels, because with a rib injury... I feel like every time you, every time you move, you breathe, he gets hit. He's going to feel that. And it's a lot of it is your pain tolerance. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, I'm going to probably err on the side that T doesn't play. Uh, especially with the bye week. Yeah. With the bye week coming up, I don't see why you would just, I I, I don't see why you try to try to try them out there on Sunday, but we'll see. Mick, what are your keys to victory today for the Cincinnati Bengals? Or uh, rather, on Sunday for the Bengals? Yeah, so uh, keys to victory for the Bengals. Uh, I think Joe Burrow is just going to have to kind of build off of the uh, of the game against the Cardinals. And uh, I think a lot of this is going to have to be done through through him. I don't know. I don't really trust the, the running offense for the Bengals against uh, – against the Seahawks linebacking duo, Bobby Wagner and Jordan Brooks. Um, and, and the offensive line is going to, is going to have to, uh, is going to have to show up. Now I think that they, based off of the grading, they appear to be overmatched uh, against the Seahawks pass rush, but uh, the Bengals have gone up against some pretty nasty pass rushes uh, early on in the season. So 
I wonder how much of the grading is due to that and not due to them just playing, uh, you know, not playing up to par. So I think the biggest key to offense is just Joe kind of going out and, and doing his thing and hopefully he kind of builds off that Cardinals performance. Uh, defense, I think the, the biggest thing, again, is the pass rush. Um, Seahawks offensive line, as we mentioned, is kind of beat up. You do have Charles Cross and Phil Haynes coming back. They, uh, they, they're playing a, you know, a backup permanently at the right tackle position uh, for the rest of the year. And then their interior isn't isn't great, even with Phil Haynes coming back in. So, pass rush is going to be another another big key to victory. And then tackling, they they've got to start tackling better. Uh, we're not accustomed to seeing this with the with the Lou defense, so I wouldn't anticipate on this being a, a, a theme for the rest of the season. But they they've got to right the ship starting this week. Bengals play the Seahawks on Sunday at 1 o'clock on CBS. Again, Ian Eagle on the call with Charles Davis. Mick, who wins and why? Make your pick. Or do you want me to go first? Um, I'll go first. I think uh, I'm going to go with, I think a lot of offense is going to be scored in this game. I'm going to go 31-28 Bengals. 31-28 Bengals is Mick's pick. I'm curious what the over-under is now. Now that now that we're talking about this, I, I didn't necessarily dive in. I'm going to have to look at it. I have it pulled up right here. So 54 and a half. 54 and a half over-under. 45 is the over-under. Hammer that over. Hammer. <laughs> Hammer so Mick's, the over. So Mick's money of the week is over 45 for Bengals. Uh, and... My score here is I have the Bengals winning 23-17. So I guess I'm more on the under there as as on that. Um, I, I think that uh, I, I think this will be, well, Tommy's going with a big one. Bengals 38-29. He's with you on it being a high-scoring a score, game. Is that a score gami prediction? I don't think I've ever seen that as a score in a game. It, it would, I mean, 29 is an odd one. Uh, there's sure no question about that. Is that a? There is, yeah. You can look it up on a pro uh, pro football reference. They have a, a page where you can put in two scores and, and they'll let you know whether it's a scoregami or not. But I, I'm picking twenty three seventeen Bengals. I, I think with it being at home, be good. I think you're gonna see a little weird, just because. I mean, I think back to the last time that the Seahawks came, which is I think on this date eight years ago. I think it was today. I think it was October the eleventh of of twenty fifteen. And what will go down as one of the more memorable victories? I wasn't there, but as far as watching the game, that was a wild game. And I'll never forget that they, in, I think it was to send, put the game into overtime. We're talking about the they, 2015 game? Yes, yes, where, where they ran out, of, ran out of timeouts and they had to run the kicking unit on and Mike Nugent just had to kick, run and kick it as time expired and he ended up nailing it, sending it into... Uh, Sending it into overtime. So uh, that, that, that game will always stand up. So I think we're going to see a little weird, but I'm going 23-17 Bengals. Riley's picking Bengals 35-24. Well, there we go. We're predicting a lot of offense. Everybody, hammer the over. You've got to hammer the over in this. Um, 39-28, surprisingly, is not a score gamut. 38-29 was his pick. 30, oh, wait, wait. Chris Pope writes in, also, he says, Bengals win 27-24. Well, that's Sammy's, uh, that's Sammy's fiance, by the way. Happy right, wedding yeah. week, Chris. 
Chris, oh, and Chris is picking the Bengals 27-24. It's funny because I think that's the score of the 2015 game, if I remember correctly. Yes, I think you are correct in that. Really? So 38-29, how many times has it happened? Uh, oh, is that a, is that an option? I only... Does it not say how many times it's happened? I can't See, imagine it's happened many times at all. That has never happened. Um, this is great podcasting, too. What is this? You say 38-29? That is what Tommy picked. Once. Once. It is a uh, 2020 game between the Pittsburgh Steelers and the Philadelphia Eagles. Interesting. So maybe maybe we'll have a, a I guess, Bengals scorigami with that when it comes in. Oh, wait. Two times. My bad. I, I didn't read this right. So... That game and then 1967 game between the Oakland Raiders and the New York Jets. 38-29, Oakland won. I guess Tyler Rigsby writing in here on our YouTube channel. I guess he's a, a fan of the Seahawks, but Tyler, we appreciate you you locked in. And hopefully, I'm just, to, I, I think it's going to be a great another game family, two start, by the way. Is it, <laughs> uh, is it? Oh, it is? Okay. Cousins and husband, yeah. <laughs> is he just trolling us or is he a Seahawks fan? I don't know. I told everybody about this podcast, and I, I'm glad I did. We got a lot of interaction from uh, from the family here, and Riley, who who's not here. And Tommy, here. don't forget and about Tommy. Tommy. Unless Tommy. you count Tommy's family, I I don't know. You, Tommy, you all are both from. I was gonna say Tommy you both are from West Virginia. You're related somehow. Probably. And and if I'm being honest, my mom's from West Virginia, so I guess that means we're related as well somehow. When it when it all runs down, I'm sure we can we can tie it back somehow. It's not like I'm from Kentucky, you know. It's 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 not like Kentucky's much better than than when we it comes to that. You might have more West Virginians viewing this than any other uh, any other state. That's a dangerous dangerous thing when it comes in. Uh, oh, oh gosh, hey. now we're, uh, I almost shouldn't have put that up there because because the the top's the way to do it. I got that's I got my, a red towel around here somewhere. That's my cousin Madison, by the way. That's Tyler's wife. Um, Go tops. Yeah. That's what I say. Yeah. Go tops. He, Madison. Uh, Sam's a huge WKU fan, so don't acknowledge. Well, his speaking of that, I uh, and I haven't told you this yet, but I got to give a shout out to one of my former. Uh, so I have some high school kids that work for me. Um, at, at, on my day job. And one of the, my kids that used to work for me is now an equipment manager at WKU. And he is going to be giving me WKU clearly in their locker room, had a list of every NFL team, like a sign and mm-hmm. the players that played for it. He's given me the Bengals one. I guess they're updating it. So, and on there of course is Jeremy Johnson. So it's really cool oh, looking yeah. at the I list. Of, who it was there. And then, yeah, that's there's definitely- multiple, there's multiple WKU guys that have played for the Bengals. So, uh, they even have the guys that signed with a on the practice squad and stuff like Antoine Grant uh, a couple of years yeah, ago was yeah. on the 2016 practice squad and so on. So uh, it was, it's cool though. Um, so I'll be yeah. uh, looking forward to that. So give, I know Cole's not necessarily watching this, but I'll give him a shout out because I'm, I'm really looking forward to it and I'll make sure to, to send it to you. And I got to figure out a place here in the office to, to hang it because when I support it, yeah, you've got Darius Brooks in 2012, Dan Klein in 09, Anthony Green in 90. And he had guys in 88, 87, and 83 as well. So I'm, I'm excited to, to add that here to the, the nice background that I, that I do have here. But we're both picking the Bengals to win on Sunday against the Seattle Seahawks. Mick, you will not be there. I will be. But yeah. it should be a great matchup. Yeah, I'll be watching it. Uh, I don't know if I'll be watching the whole game. 
uh, just because we'll be kind of traveling out and flying back to Cincinnati. I'll try to catch as much of it as I can, uh, much like kind of had to do last Sunday. So uh, what are your plans? Are you going down to Bengal Gems on, on Sunday? Or? I'll probably be there at some point. I I know we got we got to talk about uh, some things and so on, but uh, yeah, we should be excited about getting uh, hopefully a Bengals victory, which is the most important thing. And I've been going back and forth. I can leave this up to the people is since when Mick and I go to the game together, we usually park Mick works downtown. So we park it where he works because you have a parking pass. But since I don't necessarily have access to that. Oh, I was going to send that to you. Anyway. Oh, were you? Okay. Well, yes. that works. But I've been going back and forth on the Bengals are one and oh this year when I've parked on the Kentucky side and walked across the bridge. Now, here's the thing. No, no, don't do this. I don't, don't like sense. walking across bridges, but it, it's to me, I, I've been sitting here thinking, I'm like, is this the reason? Cause I'm, I'm, I might not be superstitious, but I'm a little stitious. And is it's like, is that the reason why am I going to have to just bite the bullet and give myself many panic attacks walking across the Roebling bridge every game, because it means that they're going to win. Or does that have no bearing on the game at all? No, don't make this have any bearing whatsoever. That means I got to walk more of a distance whenever you pick me up on any other game for the rest of the year. So no, we're not. It's actually probably it's pretty even. It's pretty even. We just no have way. to walk across the bridge. Um, yeah, it is because I, I looked it up. It's pretty much the the, the same. Ample distance, parking in Covington. There's no way I'm not going to use my parking at the script. No, I'm not saying that that we are, but uh, I'm not going to use my parking at the script. So that's why I probably should just not do that but thank everybody for tuning in tonight to this week's edition of jungle juice make sure you follow us on our facebook page make sure you follow uh, subscribe to us on our youtube channel uh we're on all of the podcast platforms as well spotify itunes wherever you might listen to your podcast iHeartRadio. radio we're on there uh follow our buddy josh isles over at Today nation today uh he does great work over there you can see their logo right there on the screen um so make sure you follow him and uh, for some good Bengals content there, follow us and uh, make sure you join too. Mick and I are both admins of the Hootay Nation Facebook group, as is Tommy. So make sure you join that for uh, some great Bengals conversation and also some, some horrible takes because there's plenty of that in there. Oh, yeah. We haven't seen as many because they, they won this week. So we've seen a little bit more positive. positive. We did have the, the one person that tried to argue with me that the Bengals should be running more 13 personnel, which is for, you know, that it means three tight ends. I'm like, no, no, the Bengals should not be playing three tight ends. They, they barely have one tight end, not let alone putting three on the field. But that could be a discussion for another day because, you know, we've had a happy conversation. I don't need to get my uh, my blood boiling. <laughs> yeah, no, we, we won't talk about that. We'll, we'll bring that up in the offseason. That's, uh... Yeah, great conversations to have in the offseason. Congratulations to your sister and Chris. Sammy. Well, I <laughs> can't wait for the wedding. Uh, that'll be, is that Saturday? It is on Saturday. It's so a Saturday. Beach got a really nice beach house. I'll have to show you. Uh, I'll show you. I'll, I'll send you a link to the, to the house, but it's pretty, pretty nice over there. You just post it on the Facebook page. Why not? Maybe, maybe everybody wants to see your, your great beach house. Go live later on and, and do a tour of it, of everything that's going on. Chris, Chris is doing some type of wedding week video. So, uh, oh, well, there you go. So you don't want to spoil too much of it. Uh, yeah. Appreciate, though, everyone tuning in. That'll wrap us up, Mick. Any final comments or final no, thoughts no. on Bengal Seahawks? No, no. Who day, and thanks for watching, guys. Absolutely. We'll uh, we'll see you back here next week, every Wednesday at 8 o'clock Eastern. I know, Mick, you might not be on next week, but we're going to 
figure out some things that uh, we can figure out on how to uh, be creative for some bi-week blues next week. So that'll be our podcast next week. So until next time, who day? Who day?